not be having a mission report this morning, but I um, appreciate Patty bringing out our mission statement. I want you to know that there's uh, some changes, good changes coming down the road, and you'll hear about in the very new, near future. So um, we're tracking on getting our, our vision statement and implementing our, our uh, church and our strategy the way uh, God is leading us to do it. So, today, if you take your Bibles and turn to uh, Revelation chapter 12, we're back on track with Revelation 12 today. Did a little bit of it a couple of weeks ago, but Revelation chapter 12. A great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and on her head a crown of 12 stars. And she was with child, and she cried out, being in labor to give and uh, in pain to give birth. And then another sign appeared in heaven. And behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his heads were seven diadems. And his tail swept away a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she gave birth to them, uh, she might, or he might deliver the, her child. Or devour, excuse me. Let me slow down here. And she gave birth to a son, a male child, who is to rule all the nations with the rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God so that there she would be nourished for 1,260 days. And there was war in heaven, Michael and his angels waging war with the dragon, And the dragon and his angels waged war, and they were not strong enough, and there was no longer a place found for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, who is called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down, he who accuses them before our God day and night. And they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony, and they did not love their life even when faced with death. For this reason rejoice, O heavens, and you dwell in them. Woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, knowing that he has only a short time. And when the dragon saw that he was thrown down to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. But the two wings of the great eagle were given to the woman so she could fly into the wilderness to her place, where she was nourished for a time and times and half a time from the presence of the serpent. And the serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman so that he might cause her to be swept away with the flood. But the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and drank up the river which the dragon poured out of his mouth. And so the dragon was enraged with the woman and went off to make war with the rest of her children who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. Heavenly Father, we pray that you will grant to us grace to uh, understand what you have for us, what your word is saying to us, and may you uh, teach us spirit to Uh, be able to apply these things and live by them and be encouraged through them. 
knowing that this book was written for the encouragement of your church. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, if you've ever been to a stage play, you know that what goes on behind the scenes is as important as the actors that are portraying the, the play itself, right? And I, sometimes I like watching all that shifting of the stage going on in between scenes and different things. I think it's fascinating how creative people can be to create a set that then throws you right back into what's happening in the play. So that part to me is just as fascinating as the play itself. And then we know that the same is true in movies and TV. We don't see all the stuff that's going on behind the camera. We only see the action and so forth. But there's so much going on to create the ability to tell this story. And I would suggest that the same is true for life on this earth. We don't often get to see the backstage stuff or the behind-the-scenes things that are going on. There's an unseen realm that we do not easily perceive, and especially the church in our culture in the West that has been so dominated by a naturalistic and materialistic worldview that uh, we don't like to talk about spooky things or things that are mysterious. We just kind of like to have things nailed down. But the truth of the matter is, the Bible tells us that there's a lot going on that we don't see, but it does affect us. The Bible is a handbook for life. You may know this acronym, Bible, B-I-B-L-E, right? It's the book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God. The B-I-B-L-E. And it also stands for basic instructions before leaving earth, right? Many, many modern people balk at the idea that there is a supernatural. They think that, you know, people who believe a lot in these kinds of things are primitive, they're unsophisticated. It contributes to fears and prejudices of modern society. There are many others who actually are seeking spiritual answers because the materialistic life is doing nothing for them, but they're not looking for it in Christianity because they're going, well, that was, people tried that. It's not working. And so they're seeking all kinds of spiritual things and getting really messed up in the process. Religious faith, particularly the Christian faith, is becoming public enemy number one. The blame for racial inequality... Intolerance, stifling creativity, and the threat upon freedom of choice is now narrowing in on Christianity. It's the Christians that are causing the problems. These same issues were present in John's day, by the way. Public opinion against the followers of Jesus was typical. Believers in all ages have experienced hostility in both the seen and the unseen realm. That's what we read about in Revelation 12. And to understand this better, we've got to recognize that the Bible clues us into the realities that are beyond our natural senses. There are forces at work in the political and social structures that are otherworldly. People in high positions in society are not acting without profound 
unseen influences, though they are either unaware or purposely hiding their spiritual bent. It is not as though people are somehow manipulated by like puppets on a string, but spiritual forces do contribute to ideas and beliefs that lead to behaviors that are destructive. And I want to illustrate with just one example, Nazi Germany, how quickly people forget history. But in the 30s and 40s, Adolf Hitler was able to convince a whole nation that certain people deserve to rule at the expense of others. And then taking that further, they came to believe that those leaders had the right to determine the value of certain people and people groups. And then taken further, they justified and had public support of the systematic execution of six million people. How is it possible? It began with the belief that there is no God. They chose the philosophy of Darwinian evolution and natural selection to explain the existence of our universe. And if this is true, then it would be desirable for the smartest and the wealthiest and the strongest and most powerful to rule in order to save the human race. What a noble cause. They assumed in their arrogance that certain physical and racial characteristics of these self-appointed elitists possessed, that they, what they possessed was superior. If you happen to be born into that superior or preferable race, you would happily go along with the crowd, wouldn't you? But if you were Jewish or Slavic, African, Aboriginal, you were arbitrarily deemed inferior and thus fit only for slavery or annihilation. The criteria was totally at the discretion of those in power. Evolution proposed the survival of the fittest or the strongest. And thus, according to this philosophy popularized by Friedrich Nietzsche, Might is right. The modern abortion industry is justified by this warped sense of useful or valuable based solely on whether or not one individual determines whether or not they want to have a child. The helpless victim, the baby in the womb, the most defenseless person depends upon another's preference for their very survival. The Bible shows us that spiritual forces are behind these things. When we look at Revelation chapter 12, we see a cosmic war. This is not new to the people of God. This is not something that the ancient Hebrews didn't understand. It's not something the early church was unaware of. The Bible describes a conflict between God and a significant portion of his creation. There are beings that are both supernatural and human who determine to function independently or in willful opposition to God. And chapter 12 demonstrates the pivotal point in history where these 
cosmic forces aligned in a most acute fashion. Revelation chapter 12 highlights, number one, a woman was about to give birth to a male child, verses 1 and 2. We know that woman to be Israel or maybe Mary or whoever, but we know the child is Jesus. We know that there was a great red dragon that poised himself to devour the child. Historically, Herod tried to destroy all the babies in Jerusalem to kill Jesus. When that didn't work, the woman gave birth, the dragon came to consume the child, but he was caught up to God in his throne. How'd that happen? He was crucified, he was buried, and then he was raised from the dead and ascended to God in heaven. And because of that, then the, the dragon turned on the woman, but the worm, woman is protected for a, a time, times, and half a time. We've studied that before. What that means is it's not going to be perpetual. There is an end to it. Then war in heaven ensues. And Michael, who is an archangel on God's side, thankfully, known as Israel's prince or chief angelic protector, waged war against the dragon because they were not, and because the dragon was not strong enough, was removed from heaven. I like the phrase in the Bible, no place was found for them. They don't belong because they're evil and they're in opposition to God. The identity of the chief rebel is made known, the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. And he's thrown down and his angels with him. The victory of the Messiah is declared and the victory of the saints are declared and warning for the inhabitants of planet Earth who choose to remain in league with the devil is sounded. In other words, now is the time to decide. <laughs> you're either with God or you're not. You either submit to God or you don't. You either trust him or you don't. And then the dragon focuses on destroying the woman, but upon that failure he turns his attention to who? Those who hold the testimony of Jesus. So guess what? The devil is out to get you. A lot of people are uncomfortable with that idea, but let me tell you, that's the truth. He's out to get you. Let me tell you another truth. We're safe in Christ. The last statement is to begin to explain to the believers of all ages what's actually happening now. The devil has turned his attention at destroying the people of God. You know, I told a story some time back about a group of Christians in India. They were trained to share the gospel. They were, they'd spent some time together. They'd spent nine months praying for people in their uh, neighborhood. Uh, they were now poised and ready to go. And when they just were getting ready to leave to go out and share the, the gospel, some officials in the area hired some thugs. And uh, these thugs came into the home, uh, beat some of the believers up, told them not to continue, told them, threatened them that if they were to continue to do what they were doing, that they would be, uh, worse things would happen to them. Now, this this happened in a country that officially claims religious freedom for all. How many nations of the world 
have in their constitution a guarantee of freedom of religion. Did you know that's true in a lot of Middle Eastern countries? You know China says that? They all say it. So what was it about these? In fact, the, these people who hired them were uh, belonged to a religious um, to a religion that actually touts nonviolence, that actually has in its official teachings that Jesus is is one of many gods. So what in the world possessed them to become violent to shut down a group of people who are just expressing their faith? In a nation that says it's legal to do so, by people who say all religions are valid. There's a spiritual dimension here. There's something that gets people thinking in ways that are targeted at an expression of hatred toward God and his people. I want to explain what I said earlier. The Nazis, for example, were informed and empowered by forces that taught human life is expendable. That some were meant to rule while others were meant for servitude and extermination. These ideals are not compatible with God's revelation of truth. They are a philosophy that does not come from the Lord of creation. The Ten Commandments reveal the goodness of God. Number one, God is first. Why? Because there are no others. Right? Just the truth. Number two, worship nothing or no one else because he is invisible and cannot be replicated by objects fashioned by human hands. Respect his name and his character. Remember his creation and redemption by keeping Sabbath. He alone made us and can save us from ourselves. So worship and serve him. Honor authority beginning at home. Reverence for all life. Do not murder. Reverence for truth. Don't lie or bear false witness. Respect for another's possessions. Do not steal. Honor marriage, one man to one woman, for the purpose of stable society and the procreation of the human race. And then contentment and trust with thankfulness. Do not covet. None of these ten ideals was honored by the Nazis, nor by the communists of the Soviet Union, nor by any Marxist powers, nor are they honored among the religions of Asia or the animistic people of Africa or South America. They are no longer guiding principles in postmodern Europe and North America. The only morality left in our society are the remnants of the Judeo-Christian ideals, ironically, which many people don't realize that their very ideals come from Christian thought and teaching. They have no idea that it originated with God. The idea of being kind to one another. But when people seek to gain absolute freedom of expression without any self-restraint, the assumption is that every rule of God is restrictive and harmful. Many think the rules that were made, that these rules were made up by people not by revelation from God, and it escapes their understanding 
that the very potential for liberty in the first place is now being blamed as the root of our social problems. Now, I want you to think for a minute. Let's say the Ten Commandments are not given by God. Let's just say that they're the product of some cultural expression of of some morality. Let's just assume that for a minute. Imagine a world where every person actually lived that way. Regardless of where they come from. Imagine a world where we don't steal and lie and cheat. Where we honor each other. Where we don't become jealous of each other's stuff. Can you imagine that? Or as Jesus put it, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Can you imagine, just for a moment, if we all did this, there would be no war, no crime, no racial discord, no slavery, no oppression of women, no trouble for anyone. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? And yet, there are cosmic forces that are saying, that's bad. Because they're telling you can't do what you want to do when you want to do it the way you want to do it. It reminds me of somebody in a garden. He just doesn't want you to do what you want to do the way you want to do it when you want to do it. And I contend that there are unseen spiritual forces at work. How many of you, when you, look, when you read the news, go, how in the world can anybody think like that? Because there are spiritual forces at work. Following whatever is right in their own minds without regard to whether there is any reality of truth behind it. There is a way that seems right unto a man, and the end therein is death. Revelation 12 is a cosmic battle in a nutshell. It has been brought to a fever pitch since the coming of Jesus as the Messiah. And now that he has ascended to heaven, all the earth belongs to him. That's what this passage is telling us. Now it belongs to him. And he sent us out to claim it. And there are people that don't want us to. And there are cosmic forces that are against us in the effort. So what? (laughs) I had a friend once who said, we're surrounded by the enemy. Don't let one of them escape. All the earth belongs to the Lord. His chief adversary knows this. He's been expelled from heaven, and he now knows that he has little time left, and he has nowhere to turn except toward those who love Jesus to expend his wrath until his demise. It's interesting that this whole passage kind of replicates the Exodus story, doesn't it? The dragon saw that he was thrown down to earth, so he persecuted the woman. That there were two wings of an eagle given to the woman. She could fly into the wilderness to her place where she was nourished for a time, times and half a time. In the book of Exodus, remember the people of 
Israel were delivered from the Egyptians, right? And went into the wilderness. What happened? Up against the Red Sea. It's like the devil poured out a river to consume, right? And the next thing you know, the earth came along. No, it was God who parted the sea, right? And they crossed on dry ground. And then when they were safely across the other side, then the sea came and swallowed up the armies of Pharaoh. And then she was driven into the wilderness and there tested. They didn't do so good, did they? Jesus came to the Jordan River, was baptized. The Spirit of God descended upon him like a dove. A voice from heaven said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And then everything went really great. He had no trouble at all. Offerings were up. No, he was driven into the wilderness. Something about the wilderness. The wilderness is the place of chaos. It's where the spiritual war is. It's the habitation of evil forces. And Jesus went straight into the wilderness and took on our adversary. How did he defeat him? It is written. It is written. In Exodus 19, 4, it says, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Ladies and gentlemen, if you come into Christ, you're being born on the wings of God. Does that mean you're not going to have trouble? Nope. Because the key of victory, according to John, is that they did not love their own lives even unto death. That's why Jesus said, you have to die to yourself. If you're trying to protect yourself, save yourself, save your reputation, promote yourself, you will lose the battle. If you die to yourself and surrender to Jesus Christ and let him have your life, No matter what people do to you, it's victory. Say, well, I don't want to die, Pastor. Well, I don't either. I don't want to be tortured. I don't either. A lot of people have asked me, would I rather be burned at the stake or have my head chopped off? Here we go. And I tell them I'd rather burn at the stake. And they go, you're crazy. I say, no, a hot steak's better than a cold chop any day. <laughs> All kidding aside now. How was it that the people of God in the first century were able to face lions? Who were able to not deny their faith in Jesus at the face of death? being impaled and lit on fire as torches for Nero in his garden. How did they do it? How did Stephen, standing there in front of his persecutors, tell them the truth, and as they are stoning him, say, Father, do not lay this charge against them. How can you do that? The Spirit of God in you will make it possible for you to do whatever is required. If you die to yourself, 
Does that mean you just, you know, nonchalantly go about it? No, I'm sure my knees would be knocking. I'd be nervous. There'd be a lot of temptation to to say, no, wait a minute. (laughs) But why am I telling you this? Because, ladies and gentlemen, for years and years and years we've been taught, well, this will never happen to us. We'll be raptured first. Say that to the believers in China and Russia, India, the Middle East, and say, you must not have had enough faith. You didn't get raptured. I'm telling you this, this, the key to victory is surrender to Christ. Because he's won. Now salvation has come. Now the kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. Not yet has he come in the fullness of his glory to set everything right, but he's coming. So what do we do? We trust. We trust that God is sovereign, that he will prevail in our own life and circumstances no matter what. And we do not look to human sources to blame. As Jesus was being crucified, he said, Father, Forgive them. Why? They don't know what they're doing. Why? Because there are cosmic forces at work. When you have people getting on your case, can you look beyond them and not be angry at them and learn to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you? I didn't make that up. Who taught us that? Because he knows What's, it, what's going on? We pray for them that God will reveal to them what spirit they are of and that they will come to recognize that they need the truth, that they need Jesus. So we trust. Heavenly Father, these are not pleasant days we live in, but they're exciting. They're challenging. But we confess to you, Lord, that when we think about the challenges ahead, sometimes it makes us a little woozy, a little faint of heart, a little bit nervous. How many times, Lord, did you say, fear not, for I am with you? Fear not, for I am your God. I will uphold you by my righteous right hand. When Joshua was taking on Jericho, you told him, don't be afraid. How many times have you told us, don't be afraid? Lord, may we look past the circumstances and the temporal. May we even look at this life as something that is fleeting and look to the eternal and trust you. God, please help us. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Great is thy faithfulness, 
Oh. 